the factors we found of what gets consumers to eat at a restaurant on a consistent basis is how they feel when they walk in, how they feel when they leave, and how the entire experience goes. So I guess long story is how well operated that restaurant is. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Matt Plapp. You've heard the name, now meet the legend. Over the last 13 years, Matt has built the restaurant revenue engine that has redefined the relationship between ROI and marketing in hospitality. He wrote Restaurant Marketing That Works and has become an industry thought leader, especially in unlocking Facebook, the founder and CEO of America's Best Restaurants. Matt, welcome to Give an Ovation today. Yeah, thank you. I, I think I, I got to maybe PayPal you some money for that intro. I don't know if you're, you're an paid endorser now. No. Dude, that was me reading your LinkedIn bio. That's oh, okay. uh, It re- reads like an amazing bio because it is. Um, so first of all, Matt, talk to me a little bit about America's Best Restaurants. What are you doing? What do you do? What keeps you busy? Yeah. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I've, I've listened to some episodes and you do a great job Anybody you have on here has always been spitting fire. So I guess I have big shoes to fill. <laughs> so uh, our company, America's Best Restaurants, the name is not well known yet uh, because we've kind of always had it as our parent name. But uh, we're a restaurant marketing firm nationwide. Been in business since 08. In 2015, decided to shift from being a local regional agency dealing with a lot of businesses to focus exclusively on restaurants. And that's been the journey we've been on the last six years. And America's Best Restaurants has two parts of it, the consumer facing side, which relaunches, we're excited, I don't know when it's gonna be heard or seen, but relaunches the summer of six, uh, 2021. And it's the concept of America's Best Restaurant's new website is to connect consumers with a restaurant they could eat at weekly. I think there's a lot nice. of you know, food porn out there and TV shows on all the national networks that showcase restaurants that a lot of times you might eat at every three months. Restaurants are built, their backbone, their, their, their revenue is built off of frequent visitors. And so our goal is how do we introduce restaurants that consumers should eat at weekly uh, in a different manner? So through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, all that. We have a van uh, that's going to be in play starting in July where it's going to be going every uh, three days to a different city doing interviews with restaurant owners. Uh, the other side of that is our marketing division called Restaurant Marketing that Works Under America's Best Restaurants. Something that's unique about us. Is And it's the same with you guys, too, because you have hundreds of restaurants. With us having hundreds of restaurants nationwide, we get to hear and see what's working at a lot of places. Yes. So the other day, a guy called us up who's got a franchise restaurant. We work with like 15 of them. And he said, hey, uh, what do you think? And I'm like, well, it's pretty simple. We know what's happened with the other 15. Here's how we put it in play with you. Here's a couple of tweaks we might make. And we're able to you know, audit what he's doing and then give him positive feedback. And like you mentioned in my bio, ROI, show him a dashboard that says like you have your awesome dashboard that shows reviews and increase in reviews and the momentum it's gaining. We can show that your marketing has gotten people to give us their name, phone number, birthday, visit frequency, gender. And then we can show how we use that information to drive visits and sales. And 
that's relieving the restaurants because for years, I've been in marketing since 99, selling radio advertising. For years, it's been hope and pray. I hope somebody saw my marketing. I pray they come visit. And I think it's about time to take hope and pray out of marketing. Amen. Love that. So, so I, got, I have two big questions for you. One is what does it take to be a restaurant that someone eats at weekly? What does that look like? What, what is the anatomy and the dynamics of, of that restaurant? If you were to kind of categorize the characteristics. So we found three traits that we identified that, that are key to it. Uh, there's six total that help influence, but three key ones we found ironically through research during the pandemic. So hmm. before the pandemic hit, we always had a calculator on our end. That was my sales team would come in and go, Hey, we need to know if this restaurant's a good fit. And we looked at the type of service, the type of food and the type of location. And those would give us a scale to say, Hey, at the end of the day, marketing is all about from a, a rest from our side to get consumers to come in. It's all about who's willing to spend the most to get the person. And the more niche your restaurant is like you're a downtown high end Thai restaurant, you've got a lot less market. It's a little harder to market and it's going to cost you more money to get people. It's like, there's more competition for that niche person. If you're a burger place that's fast food in suburbs, you got everybody. Yep. And so we always had those metrics. And that was what allowed my team to say, hey, customer, here's what it's going to cost to get this. And when the pandemic hit, about two months into it, I had Tom on our team. I said, Tom, these 20 or 30 clients are just crushing it. Why? Like, what, what's different about them? Because, like, I look at these over here. They're doing decent. And these are a couple are doing terrible these are good restaurants, good concepts. Why are these crushing it? Well, out of that came three factors and they all three piggyback off each other. The first one is the type of owner operator relationship with the customer. That is somebody within that four walls on a consistent basis that has a vested interest. Or is it somebody that owns 20 stores? Like I know a lady who owns eight restaurants and she visits everyone about every two months. And she's relying on 17, 18, 19 year olds to convey the message of her brand to the customers. And I've got a 17 and a nine year old, 19 year old. That's a hard task. Uh, <laughs> hard, so, hard enough. When I was 17, 19, I wasn't even doing dishes, much less yeah. conveying a brand message. Yeah. And you look <laughs> at restaurants, that's what it is. I, I pulled up to a Raising Cane's the other day. I don't know if you guys have mouth uh, in Utah or not. But we don't yet. But can we put in a quick plug? Please come. <laughs> Good stuff. There's one near our office. I took one of my employees who's down from Chicago. We went up there. We pull up and that young lady in the drive-thru, man, she was happy we were there. And when we got to the window, they were happy we were there. It was one of the better experiences I've had from a convert. And it wasn't, it wasn't sarcastic. It wasn't done on per it wasn't done like, oh, I gotta say this. Like they come to your table at a restaurant, they go, happy birthday to you. Yeah. So that to me is what the biggest thing we found was the restaurants that dominated during the pandemic were restaurants that an owner or an operator, I say an, an operator, because I've got a friend of mine who owns like 11 restaurants. He's got 11 different GMs that operate them and they have vested interest. They actually care. And the place is run like that. So we saw that anywhere that there was a thumb in that restaurant, I got to say a thumb on that process an SOP though, that was a key factor. Well, the next one, triggers down from that. And you'll like this one. And I have to, off air, I got maybe we'll get time. I'll tell you this case study is pretty wild. It comes back to reviews is the next part is reviews is that the reviews tell a story of what's happening in the restaurant at the end of the day. 
And if you've got a ton of negative reviews, it's typically in relation to what's happening in the restaurant, obviously, but it's not the employees, it's on the top. If my employees fail for my company that run our business, it's because I haven't given them the right leadership or tools. Well, we found during the pandemic, the restaurants that did the worst was that lady that had eight stores that she never went to. That it was like, out of sight, out of mind, I'll be there every two or three weeks. I'll get to every restaurant every two months. And you know they don't care uh, as much as the person that owns or operates it. And that's a big one. And then the third one piggybacks off of both of those. It's their online presence, their branding, how well they're known. And so when we look at restaurants and we look to see uh, a restaurant that somebody would visit weekly, it's typically going to be a restaurant that they like, that they feel welcome, that they have a great experience, that they have good food. You know, I've got restaurants that I enjoy, but I don't go to weekly because of some of those factors. They're higher end. They're in a, an urban environment. I don't get too often. Uh, they have a very niche food. Like I love Thai food, but I don't eat it weekly. I eat it monthly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like they actually, I said it, but the, uh, but then I eat other places. Like I might eat at Chipotle every week. I always have a good experience. The food's always solid. I might go to hot Ed burritos every week, rapid fire pizza, you know, uh, Dewey's pizza, Eli's barbecue. There's these places that the, the factors we found of what gets consumers to eat at a restaurant on a consistent basis is how they feel when they walk in, how they feel when they leave and how the entire experience goes. So I guess long story is how well operated that restaurant is. I, I think I've seen that, you know, as you're stating these, I've seen that over and over again. Like, it's like, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Those are, those are things that as we've seen with our customers, um, that I think that's, that's totally true. That so, finding someone who cares, getting those, those good reviews, having that good operation. And then, like you said, you know, initially you looked at the location of the restaurant, but now a big factor of it is the online location of the uh, the online location of the restaurant right how easy are they to be found what are people seeing with them um so yeah i totally agree with those i think that the old um the old adage of location 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 and then i got to have a good product and service it's like those things no longer make a restaurant those things are now table stakes right that's what everyone's expecting and now we got to take it that level up. And I, I love those three attributes that you talked about. Yeah. So I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick story on the review part. So I had a pizza brand that I had dealt with the marketing director on. We dealt with five of the locations. Uh, I had never met with the CEO. He had always blown me off. And I went up to their, their corporate office. I'm meeting with them. We're talking business. And I said, Hey, I want to show you a quick case study on something. He's like, what do you got? I said, well, I don't know two of these particular owners, but I know these three. And I said, I want to show you how, social engagement can tell the story of how a restaurant's operated. So I pulled up the stat and we had a thousand bucks for all five restaurants over a two month period. We had spent a thousand dollars for each one of them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, the traffic campaigns, engagement campaigns, branding. And you look at the thousand dollars, all of them had reached 50,000 people, identical, all five. They're all suburban restaurants, pizza, same brand, same concept, similar traffic patterns, everything that 50,000 people reached for store one, two, three, four, five went down. 50,000 got 5,000 engagements. Then it went to 4,500 engagements. Then it went to 2,500 engagements. Then it went to 1,000. Well, then those engagements from ours, the engagements on our end lead to people giving us their data. 
And so then we looked at that and said, okay, those engagements, how many of those, let's say every thousand people that engaged in this ad, it should be 90% give us their data. The high ones, the ones at the top, it was 90%. The lower ones, it was 50%. And so then the next step from that was the people that gave us their data that walked in the restaurant and used the offer we gave them was literally 30% for the top ones, 5% for the bottom ones. And then of course that rel that relates to sales. And so I looked at the guy and I said, I'm going to make an observation for you. So I know these three owners, this owner, these first two, they're almost identical. They crush it. They're in the stores every day. They do a great job. I know them personally. They, when you walk in, they know your name, they know your order. They're ready to rock. They high five you. They ask how the kids football is going that the third one, she's not a nice lady. I know her. She's in the store. She's mean. She's negative on everything. Everybody's out to get her. It's reflective right here. And that's why her sales are what they are. The bottom two, I've never met. We do their marketing through, you guys gave us the account. You needed their help. I'm going to guess this guy is an attorney. And this guy probably never comes out of the back of the restaurant. He looks at me and he grabs his phone and starts texting. And later here comes the CEO. And he goes, uh, Matt, tell him what you just told me. And I'm like, what? It's like that story. So I walk him through the spreadsheet, got up on a big screen. And he goes, so you know those two guys? I go, I have no clue why. He's like, that guy's an attorney. He owns four restaurants. He bought him his passive income. He doesn't go in the restaurant. That is a guy that used to be a general manager of a Chipotle that thought it'd be cool to own his own restaurant. He's scared of customers. He's actually oh, in the process of selling the restaurant. My gosh. His back of the house is spotless. He goes, how'd you know that? I said, the guest cinnamon, what you talk about. You, When I see a Facebook ad and it says, hey, here's an awesome offer. Come get this at the restaurant. When consumers that love your brand see it and go, that's my place, man. That's my favorite pizza place. They share it. They comment. They're transferring the trust. It's a review in essence. They're yeah. reviewing you by saying, hey, this place rocks. Go get this offer. Or they're commenting. When I'm a number and I walk in your restaurant and the employees don't acknowledge me and they don't smile and I'm just there to get food and leave. I'm a transaction. When I see your social media posts, I scroll by. I don't engage. I don't care. And when you then take that and cross-reference that with the reviews, we can look at this one location's reviews and see that there's not a single issue with food quality, cleanliness, operation. It's all about friendliness and welcomeness. And then the other one was a complete show, you know, because everything was wrong. And it's because uh -huh. the guy's an attorney who doesn't want to be in the restaurant business. He thought it was going to be passive income. But all of that came down. It started with marketing, but then digging deeper. And as you know, in the, the review world, like it says behind you, one review costs you 300 bucks. Well, in our case, it costs you 75%, the same exact reach. It costs you 75% of your online engagements. And then those online engagements were 75% less effective. And then that effectiveness of a promotion was 75% less effective. It just trickles down, probably costs more than a thousand bucks when you look at it from that angle. Oh my gosh. And so, and that's the thing, right? It's like, if someone comes and defaces the front of your building, go, go back 10 years, if someone comes and spray paints the front of your building, this place sucks. Are you going to clean it off? Are you going to, and let, let's say they also left their name and phone number. Uh, would you at least be interested, not pressing, for sure, pressing charges, but like at least figuring out why do you feel like this place sucks? Like what, what about it is so bad? And, but we don't do that online for some reason. It, it cracks me up. I, uh, we've, we've got 
restaurants that with what we do when people opt in and give us their information, uh, we have the ability to, to, we get feedback. And when they give feedback within our system, you know, and we're not there, we're not a feedback platform like Ovation, which I look forward to partnering with you guys in the future, but we have the information. And somebody says, hey, I was in today, this was terrible. They're not leaving a review, but they're sending a message. And I'll have clients will say, what should we do in that instance? I'm like, call them. You sure? I'm like, dude, nobody calls anybody. I can't get my kid to call me. <laughs> I said, customers, I said, I, we've looked at it. Like we've, we've surveyed customers that have had negative experience within the system with, that we know of. And we'll say, hey, I understand that somebody reached out to you. Was everything taken care of? Because at the end of the day, it reflects back on my company. If we're marketing, I can only do so much marketing. If you don't carry your end, it doesn't matter. I don't want to keep sending people into a bad restaurant or into a bad situation. And when we ask them, was this fixed to your satisfaction? Every time that the person's called, they go, holy crap, I can't believe it. They called me. I've never been called by a restaurant person ever. Better yet, the owner. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like when you really do care, and this is the thing that, you know, we have the luxury of having worked with thousands of restaurants, right? So there's, there's a broader um, view that we're able to have to see all these different types of restaurants to a guest, to any human, the most important desire, the most in, in, intrinsic desire is the desire to feel important. And either we help them feel important or we help them feel less important. And when someone gives you feedback, what they're saying is, I want to feel heard. And when you make them feel heard, data shows that they are going to be more loyal than if they never had a bad experience in the first place. So, but you have to care. You got to put in that effort in order to get to that, uh, that loyalty. And when you wrap that all back to the original question was what makes a restaurant someplace a consumer is frequent with, you know, there's restaurants we all frequent that it's quick, it's easy, it's inexpensive, it's not bad food. And you go there. I mean, it's pretty much fast food in the world, you know, drive-thrus, you know, nobody loves going, I won't name them, but certain drive-thrus, but you know what? You're on vacation. You got two kids screaming, you're swinging in, you're getting X, Y, Z and you're gone. You don't really need an awesome, like, wow experience. But when you look at local brands or fast casual or casual dining or fine, you've got to have it. And there's that, there's that path that takes. And a lot of people think, okay, I got, you know, negative reviews. I can fix them. Well, they don't realize it carries over. Like somebody the other day asked me, Matt, you know, we, we have five ways that we help. We focus on helping restaurants understand where they're getting traffic from marketing wise, their in-store marketing, their website marketing, their online listings, their current customer data, which is a huge gold mine for restaurants. Cause they've got a lot of data on most places. They're not leveraging and reactivating it. And then the last one's Facebook and Instagram. Well, Facebook and Instagram at the end of the day, is grassroots marketing. It's when 20 years ago, my friend would call me up and go, hey, what's the best Thai restaurant in Northern Kentucky? I'd go, you gotta go to my Thai down on Dixie Highway in Florence. Great. Now when I'm on Facebook and I check in there, that's the same thing. People yeah. know I'm not gonna check in there if it sucks. I'm not gonna check in there, I like it. Or when I comment on their Facebook post or their Instagram and the algorithm shows it to my friends, they see my comment, it says, love it, you guys rock, awesome as usual. It's the same thing. It's not a review in essence, but it's the old school review. It's that grassroots market. It's the uh, word of mouth that most restaurants were built on. And that's what really cracks me up when you look at it is that when you ask about those top qualities, it's a restaurant where the person inside gives a crap that you're there. And when they give a crap that you're there, you get better service. You feel warm and fuzzy. 
you uh, you smile more. Our tagline used to be helping consumers find restaurants that'll make them smile. That was something we liked because I still agree with that. But then I'm like, you know, we need something that resonates is we want to help you find your next regular spot. I think of Cheers. Yeah. I, I, some people that are watching this might be too too young. I mean, how two of my employees didn't know who Kramer was. So they sure as heck don't know who Norm is. But my thought process with America's Best Restaurants, and when that media company gets full force in the next 24 months, and it's going to be awesome, is how do we help people find their cheers? Because yeah. everybody wants that place. I go to Barley Corns every week with my wife. I go to El Nopal every week with my wife and kids. I go to this Thai place every two or four weeks. We've got restaurants we eat at consistently. I want to help consumers find their next one. I love that, man. And I guess my, my second question we've kind of been talking about the whole time was ROI. I think that one thing we probably need to do is have you back on and just have a whole discussion on on tracking that. So let's let's jump into the uh, the fast five here. Number one, what is the most important aspect about guest experience for restaurants nowadays? I'd say a, a smile and the greeting and feeling like they want you there. There's nothing worse than being somewhere that you're like, oh man, <laughs> am I causing you a headache by coming in the doors? Yeah, I love that. Two, what are successful things that you have seen or tried lately? Successful things I've seen and tried lately. From a business standpoint, uh, using the phone to call people. I think we all get lazy. It's easy to text. It's easy. Like my kids one day, a couple months ago, they're up in the rooms and our living room opens up into the upper floor. You can see their doors. There's a hallway. And I called them. No answer. So then I text them, Paige, come here. What do you want? <laughs> come here. Why? I'm taking your geek. She walks out the door. What's up, dad? Can we have a conversation? So I think going back to that, we all get lazy and it's, it's easier to, to email and text and message. Call people. Go shake their hand. Talk to them one-to-one. Love that. Uh, crystal ball over the next few years, what do you see in the hospitality industry? I see it going back. I think a lot of people are wrong and everybody has this. They, it's trendy to say ghost kitchens. It's trendy to say third party. I think everything circles. I think we go back to where the handshake means something again. I think people like having the experience of being in a restaurant. Uh, we're obviously in a bump in the road now and there's a lot of, you know, what ifs, but I think in a couple of years, we're going to see that indoor dining experience and that in-person even more important. Okay. What would be your last piece of advice to tell restaurant owners and operators? Do whatever it takes to get the information of everybody who comes in contact with your brand. My wife, uh, we're married, I guess I should know this, 22, 23 years, one of those numbers. <laughs> We've been together, I think 26, since we were, I was a sophomore in college. It started with me asking her name, asking her phone number. Then we started dating. Then we got engaged. Then we got married. Then we have kids. I don't want to say have kids with your customers. That might sound weird, but get married to your customers. Yeah. The only, only way to get married to your customers is to know who they are their email, their birthday, their phone number, so you can predictably communicate with them on your terms, not theirs. Love that. I think that is so important. And, you know, I actually do a, a seminar called Dating Your Customers. Um, I wrote a dating book and it's, it's, it's so true. The things that you need to do to be a great first date are the things that you need to do to, uh, have a, to be a great first experience for one of your guests. And then lastly, who deserves novation? Who should come on the podcast? Oh, wow. So- there's a, a big stack of books. There. Those are all restaurant books, authors in the space on customer service, food, guest day, all this stuff. 
somebody I don't know if you've dealt with or not that I, I think is amazing. I think the world of them is a gentleman. He's down in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona area. His name's David Scott Peters. Uh, he's mm-hmm. written, uh, he's got a, a book on the prosperity formula, restaurant prosperity formula. He speaks, he does coaching. His depth of understanding of the financial aspect of a restaurant is more than I've seen most people. And I think it's a key element that, like my accountant said, Matt, you can have a profit and loss, but guess what? You got to look at it <laughs> you have to make adjustments. <laughs> you got to fix it up. So I think restaurants, uh, they've saw, they've, they've seen that this past couple of this past year, year and a half, that now they can all of a sudden make more money doing third party, make money doing pickup, make money doing delivery. Uh, when the guest experience comes back in, into the restaurant and they have this ability in all these places, I think it's going to be even more important to have your costs under control and understand your your operating costs at every different vertical. So David Scott Peters would be my vote for the next ovation. Awesome. Well, h- how do people find you, follow you, Matt? So easiest way is Matt Plapp. Uh, you know, mattplapp.com is my website. Uh, Matt Plapp on Facebook. It's actually the real Matt Plapp because my personal profile has the username Matt Plapp. So <laughs> my business one is the real Matt Plapp, but LinkedIn, Matt Plapp, uh, Instagram, Matt Plapp, Matt at mattplapp.com is my email. And then cell phone number is pretty easy to find, but it's 859-743-248. I love talking to people. I'm an open book. If anybody wants to have a conversation, you know, give me a call. Well, Matt, in the beginning of this podcast, you talk about how other guests have been spitting fire. Well, for taking on the form of a dragon and breathing fire today, today's ovation goes to you. Thanks so much for joining us on Giving Ovation. I appreciate it. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.